Thank you, Karen and Penny. Lovely to see those in front of me this morning and indeed those online. I've just moved this a little bit closer just to feel like I'm just a little bit more connected to those who are sitting before me. How nice it is to see you all. And indeed, I want to say, because uh, I've known Chris Cullen for a long time, who's here with us this morning. Chris, nice to see you again. Uh, you and Paul have been very dear to many of our hearts for a long time. And so thank you for being willing to share as well. It is a season of strangeness. I think that captures it well for me. This little short series called How Long, O Lord, probably those four words capture it well. How long, O Lord, are we going to continue? And this little three-chapter book of Habakkuk is a great way to start, stop, think and process. A family comes home to find out that their 10-year-old daughter has been killed by their 14-year-old cousin. What do you do with things like that? A man goes in to get tested for the coronavirus. While he's being tested, he finds out that he actually has stage 4 cancer. What do you do with that? The family gathers on a sunny Sunday afternoon, having a great barbecue with family, uh, lots of fun and laughter, and as usual, families have to leave and go home. All of a sudden, they hear a scream outside, and a little one has been run over by a family member. A, a French man has been arrested over allegedly assaulting a 300 Indian children. If only these things were just made-up stories... But if you read the news, you know they're not. Any day, you can go online, pick up a paper, and you can read disaster after disaster. And the question that keeps coming up, where is God? Where is God in any of these scenarios? What is going on? On and on you could go, story after story. You too could come and share stories. Uh, all of us could tell our stories about suffering and evil and pain and the things that we experience in this life. Uh, the truth is simple, as old ones would know. If you live long enough, you will eventually really find out about suffering and evil and change. Uh, our loved ones die. We ourselves will face that same end. Our bodies aren't what they used to be as you get older. Uh, midlife itself has its own pressures. Uh, struggles, disappointments, things work out, things don't work out. Uh, a sense maybe of failure, decreasing ability to do things. Uh, again, and if you really do live long enough, the infirmities of age will eventually kick in. You all know that to be true. Uh, and added to that, if you live long enough, you'll get to a point in time where all your friends have gone. And now you're alone. That's just life. And maybe you know that to be true, but maybe you don't express it, maybe you don't want to talk about it. Maybe you want to keep it secret to yourself. Um, all these things that I've just mentioned happen in a stable society just like Australia. I haven't even spoken about uh, war, racism, genocide, uh, you, you name it. <laughs> the Holocaust, millions of died, people have died of AIDS, uh, millions have died under Chairman Mao, Cambodians who died under Pol Pot, Idi Amin. Where, where do you even start and stop about the globe? I haven't spoken about natural disasters either. Earthquakes, tsunamis, uh, floods, droughts, fires. But the question is still the same, isn't it? Where is God in all of this? Others in life have had to face the brutal truth that more than likely life doesn't work out the way we think it's meant to. 
So before I go any further and jump into Habakkuk, let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, help us have ears to hear. Father, help us have hearts that can groan, hearts that can express the reality of the situation we're in. And may it always be we hold firmly to the anchor of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So what's the problem we face? What's the problem we face? Well, uh, if you're thinking that we're going to do Habakkuk and there's some quick answers about suffering and evil, uh, you're wrong. There isn't. And can I encourage you, it's only three chapters, we've divided up into four messages, so I ask you to hang in there and to go with us over these next four weeks. Uh, There are many books that still stand the test of time about suffering. C.S. Lewis's book called The Problem of Pain is one of those classic books that help you understand pain. As a pastor, one of my go-to books that came out about 10 years ago, it's simply called The Hardest Sermons You'll Ever Preach. The Hardest Sermons You'll Ever Preach. Just think about some of the topics that that it touches on that I'm not talking about today. Uh, abortion, child abuse, national tragedy, uh, miscarriage of an early term infant, newborn loss, crib death, young child, conjoined twins, drunken driver death, cancer, murder, accidental death, new parent death, uh, crisis, suicide, suicide of a pastor. Just a long list of disaster after disaster. Again, you could keep asking the question where is God? Now, in the life I've lived, I've often heard people complain to me about other people. I've often heard people complain about me to other people. I know you might find that hard to believe. I don't. Uh, You can also hear former saints complain to God about his people. You can probably even hear God complain about his people, as in, what are they doing? But to hear a prophet whose role is to come before people and stand there and say, here's what God says, to hear a prophet complain to God about God That's pretty unique and that's well worth us listening in to what he has to say about his thoughts about God and what God is doing or more to the point what God isn't doing and that's how Habakkuk starts. He starts in that verse 2, how long O Lord must I call for help? How long must I call for your help? Think about those who've gone before us. Listen to some of the others. Uh, Jeremiah is a good part to go to. You always, you're always righteous, Lord. This is chapter 12, when I bring a case before you. Yet I would speak to you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? Jeremiah wrestled with some of those things. Think about Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. You can sort of hear a bit of thumping of the table going on here from those who have gone before us. The psalmist again is not news to you, hopefully. If you read the psalms, you can check out Psalm 44 as well. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? And forget our misery and oppression. This is Psalm 44. Uh, These are people who are being very honest with God about their situation. It's like, Lord, why don't you wake up? Why are you sleeping? Have you got no compassion, mercy? Do you not know what's going on? Have you not looked at the world at the moment? And I've got to say, it's never a bad thing to voice your complaints or express your pain, or ask your questions to the living God. 
I'll go further. It's in fact an incredible healthy thing and it's part of your life and your faith journey. Even Jesus, what, on the cross, as we know in Matthew 27, cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's passionate language. Habakkuk is full of passionate language and we should not be nervous about that. Uh, We need to express ourselves also in a similar way. And maybe most religious people, maybe most Anglicans are not used to sort of expressing ourselves in that way and being open and directly honest. Maybe we think others will think bad about us and you've got to say to yourself, I'm really not interested in what others think about me at that point. We drop that thought out. And maybe we think, well, what will God think of me? God knows what he thinks about you. He's more interested in the fact that are you going to actually express your heart before him? And what this book does, like what we need right now in this season, is brutal honesty with God. Brutal honesty unabashed emotional desire God what is going on I'm not one if you've been watching any of those videos as I keep referring to songs and verses to say isn't it good it's all peachy it'll be all over by Tuesday week I've not said that I've said this is a long season there is tragedy death loss pain to think to ourselves what will church look like in the future what will fig tree church look like in the coming months your guess is as good as mine for example Rhonda and I are in our last season of ministry and we've had to realize and come to that point in our own faith journey that it's quite possible and now it's like more than likely we'll run the remainder of our race this year and maybe we won't even back together again Maybe it'll come to our last day and we're standing here online and just talking to a camera and it'll be my last day and I'll turn to my companion Greg who's on sound and music etc. I'll say, well Greg, here are my keys and I'll just walk out and never darken the doorstep again. This is the world we're in. Uh, I've had moments in the last four months where I've said to God, God, why is it ha- this happening in my last year? I had fairly simple plans. I'm getting old, I'll retire and go off sailing and enjoy other things. Do you really have to do this now? Uh, All of us, I think, right now are thinking through these things. There are many questions. In April of this year, when I designed this short series, I was reflecting about, I wonder what it'll be like in July. Surely it'll be better. Surely three months. I didn't think we'd get to July and be reading about the Victorian case about another six weeks. It was like, what? I didn't think I'd look at the global situation and think thousands of, uh, what? This question people keep having, will it get back to normal? It's a good question, long time to come. And so for us, as we live in this season, a season that's affecting everything and everyone, we've got to ask ourselves, well... These are the times you've given us, God. What can I learn from them? These are the times you've given us. What can we learn from them? What do we do? This question about how long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? It's a real question. So let's think about the problem that Habakkuk faced. Habakkuk's a prophet. Three chapters. He's looking at his society. He sees his society in pain. He's been watching this. His c- culture is 
just falling apart. His nation's in decline morally, spiritually, socially. Nothing is right about anything. He could see disaster coming and he's wondering everything is getting tougher, not easier. Uh, something was about to snap. He feels like he's about to snap. Violence is on the rise. Uh, so he complains to God. He, he makes that very clear. Why? Because he's feeling that his complaints are falling on deaf ears. God is not listening. And, you know, you've probably heard it, but when you get to the Lord's response, let's say it right up front, it doesn't make it any easier. Uh, Habakkuk is in distress, and so we read this complaint. Verse 2, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abound. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. You know, Habakkuk's looking as well thinking, everything is going wrong. And not only is everything going wrong, God, you're not doing anything about it. You are stony silent. I, I, I can't hear you respond. Uh, and Habakkuk's struggling and he's concerned that God is so inactive in his world. Uh, Habakkuk has a pro- wanted to see answers, wanted to see change, wanted to see hope, wanted to see evil dealt with, wanted to see injustice dealt with. And he's very frustrated. And yes, he's probably like the prophet Jonah, who you probably all know about because you love the fishing stories. But at least, you know, Jonah runs away. Habakkuk stands there and just has it out with God. He has it out with God. This is not good enough. You are the God. You are the God from everlasting to everlasting. You better do something about this because it's just, it's inadequate. And so that's the sense that he has. So much evil is thriving. Uh, and meanwhile, God remains silent. And maybe for us, in this year maybe that's the hardest thing we have to deal with the silence of unanswered prayer and many of us have prayed for lots of things and lots of people and we can sense that it's just silence (laughs) one preacher wrote that Habakkuk is so distressed that he's not quite sure Habakkuk could even listen to God's answer Uh, yet when he hears the answer, the solution is worse than the problem. How can it be? And don't forget, Habakkuk loves God. It's not as if somehow he doesn't. He loves God. It's his God, very personal God. And, and it's nearly to this situation where, look, Lord, I have believed in you for so long. I've believed in the Lord myself for now some 40 years, a bit longer. I've believed in you for so long. I've walked with you. I've trusted you. But I tell you what, your silence right now in 2020, your silence on certain things getting harder to maintain the rage, Lord. getting harder to keep believing. Unless you do something really quick or respond or something, I tell you what, you're pushing my faith to the wall. Many of us can feel like that. Habakkuk is feeling like that. Lord, unless you're something, I tell you what, I don't know his feeling that I can keep believing in you. It's a test of faith, isn't it? In the face of destruction, in the face of pain, and that's, you know, how long? How long can I even keep calling out to you and you don't respond? How long can I keep thinking you're not listening? 
you don't get it. I get it, you don't get it. Violence is no answer. This issue of unanswered prayer, everything is going wrong, it's getting harder. Habakkuk greatly troubled, how long can I continue? You know, maybe Habakkuk's thinking you'll rise up a new king or you'll solve the problem with revival or you'll do something profound. And as for the law, verse 4, it's like, don't get me started on the law. The law's paralyzed. There's no justice. You know, the number of times we all look at our news and see court scenarios, whether about murder, pain, death, uh, abusive children, and people have short-term sentences. We think, wait, is there no justice anymore? Is the law so paralyzed? It's no longer effective. We could feel that now. Habakkuk felt it then. It's like, I've forgotten the movie, but it's like Habakkuk wants to stick his head out of the window and scream, I can't take it anymore. And so now, what might be the shock is, okay, the Lord answers. There's an answer to his problem. It comes from verse 5 to 11. And here's how it goes. The amazing thing about this prophecy is that it's actually not addressed to the people at all. It's addressed to God. It's a dialogue between a man and a God. Maybe we should put ourselves in Habakkuk's shoes and think this is just like a dialogue between me and my God. I'm not happy how things worked out. Maybe most of us as Australians, maybe we tend to do it in our hearts. Maybe we don't express it verbally. Maybe we're too scared about the spit going too far so we don't express it too far. God answers, verse 5, here's his answer. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you're told. It's like, wow, at that point, okay, talk to me. Let me know what you're going to do. You know, because God's point is, Habakkuk, you don't get, I've been answering your prayer all along. You accuse me of silence, but I've not been silent. I've been working behind the scenes. You just don't know how to recognize my answer and what's going to happen. Uh, of course, my answer, Habakkuk, is going to be so different from what you expect. But let me tell you how I'm going to answer your complaint and your prayer. I'll just read it out because it really does set the scene. Verse 6. I'm raising up the Babylonians, and that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a lord of themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all the fortified cities by building earthen ramps that capture, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Whoa! You know, we've seen pain in the past. And God is saying, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. They're so bad. And we know about the Babylonians because you can check that out through Nineveh, through Jonah and others. Um, but here is, here is the answer that God is saying. Jonah, uh, uh, sorry, Habakkuk, you think you've got a problem. You think I'm going to make your problem increase. I'm going to create such a situation that it's going to be far worse than what you think it is. I'm going to raise up those who are incredibly ruthless and they're going to come down and inflict punishment and judgment. This, what, God, these bitter, hostile, ruthless people? Next thing you're going to tell me, God, is that you're going to help 
New South Wales and our churches and our communities gather together and get kickstarted again by opening the borders in Victoria and letting all the Victorians come up and get us going again. If you're watching Victoria, we love you dearly. It just doesn't, like this doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Surely Habakkuk, this is so unfair. This is not right. Uh, you're going to get the most powerful, bitter, ruthless people on earth who don't even believe in you, who actually are so full of themselves. Your, the, your word tells me that what? Their strength is their own God. They're so convicted. They're so right. You're going to get them to come and what? It's pretty astounding. I'm sure Habakkuk must have, I'm scratching my head. as you're like, just what? How could this make sense? You know, when it comes to problems, God, you know, Habakkuk is saying, I'm battling in the major leagues. This is big time, and you're going to get a group of people who are even a bigger problem to come and solve my problem. So you'll, you'll solve my problem by creating a bigger problem. <sighs> Why does God allow things to happen like that? Why does those things? How can a loving God, is the question, isn't it, allow people to suffer? Why would God create all that we see and then use it like that? I wonder if any of you have ever stopped right now in the last four months and wondered the great question that some people dance around, and I too dance around it. Is it humanly possible, supernaturally possible, that God himself is behind COVID-19? Have you ever pondered the great ponder that you don't want to ponder? that you don't want to believe, you don't want to... Is it possible that God could be saying, the globe needs to wake up. There are things that are not right. There are things across the globe from how we treat each other. Late-term abortions. You, you, you go to any part of the globe and you think there are things that are not right. What if God himself was behind this to bring mankind to its knees? Because even though we couldn't sing it today, and Brent does a fantastic job, but I wonder, if I sing in the good days, is it true that I also sing in the bad days? Is it true that I really rejoice in those really deep, dark valleys of life when I'm on my own and things are not working out? No, we want to say absolutely. That's just, well, that's me, is it? Do we have moments in time where we think, no, actually... It's not right. You've got to feel how God is so unorthodox. God is always doing things the wrong way, isn't he? You don't do it like that, God. God, if you're going to have a plan and send your son into this world, Jesus, and you're going to raise up workers and disciples, don't pick those disciples. Pick some that's going to have a success rate that we can count on. God doesn't work like that. Let alone that sense that probably we've all felt sometimes, God, I call out to you, I call out to you. Either you don't listen, you're just silent. So frustrating. And you know, I'm not going to necessarily steal from Shane's thunder over the next couple of weeks, but there's more complaints to come. There's more things to say. You know, this verse 5, look at the nations and be utterly amazed. I am being utterly amazed, but not in the way, God, you think I'm being utterly amazed. I'm utterly amazed you're going to do this. You know, he, he, he talks on that verse 12 from chapter 1. It's, not, it's a bit cynical, I think. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my holy one, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, you, my God, you, my Lord, you, my... You, what? You've appointed them to carry out justice. So just, 
it seems massively unfair. Ever felt in your life that some things seem massively unfair? I have. Sometimes I don't know that God listens to my own complaints. And they're really good complaints sometimes, let me tell you. So you've got this... So how do we respond? How do we... Well, you've got to stop and think. I really encourage you to just think and process what's being said in the Word of God and in your life right now. Do not let panic grip you for those really older, older members like Chris Cullen. You know, uh, don't mention the war sort of thing. Permission not to panic for those who remember the TV show. Don't panic. Don't let fear grip you. Stop and think, all right, what's this about? Secondly... You know, remind yourself the things that you know about God. I do know who God is. I do know his character. Don't try and solve the problem immediately. Do you know there are some things you can't solve immediately? You realize that, don't you? Do you know there's actually some problems in this life you will not solve in this life? You realize that, of course. I'm sure you do. Back away from it. Begin with God. God would understand. Remind yourself about his character. Bring that to bear to any particular problem you're facing. And you know that the hardest thing, and I bless, uh, you know, my wife is good at telling me to do this, so she's uh, very direct and godly. Ian, you must learn to leave it with God. And I'll nod like all good husbands do. Yes, dear. And deep down I'm thinking, I've got more wrestle to do here. I'm not going to leave it with God. I want to have more fights with him. I'm not happy with that. But the profound truth, leave it with him. You're not God. He's the one who's in control. He's the one who's sovereign. He's the one who doesn't rest and sleep. Go to sleep. Let the day go. Let the night go. Let God work it through. And understand that's a key thing. Yes. Don't sit there and say, oh, okay, the Babylonians, oh, the Victorians, the Queenslanders. I don't know where to start. But I know God. My God is not like that. My God must have a greater purpose. And so how do we process this finally? Because my God and your God that we worship is not just some deity, some idol. No, he is sovereign. So how do we answer our problem? How do we work through it at this point in time as we start? We see the evidence of evil in our lives. We've all been touched by it. Many of us bear scars externally, but more often than not internally, that are there and are not yet healed. Surrounded by things at this season, and don't somehow think even our own church life here that it's going to go away tomorrow. It isn't. It isn't. Uh, and what's, this is a message we need to understand how God is working in this season. And there's more to come over the following weeks. Habakkuk 2 and Habakkuk 2 verse 4 is the great pivot point probably in the letter of Habakkuk, more in chapter 3. But Habakkuk 2 3 says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger... Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Isn't that true? It's true at the start of the letter. It'll be true at the end of the letter. It was true at the start of February this year. No matter what September looks like or October looks like, and I've got no idea what it looks like, it's still going to be true then. The book of Habakkuk teaches us how to rejoice when the lid has been blown off everything. And in case you don't realize it, this year, the lid has been blown off everything that we know. Everything is gone. And in one sense, maybe Habakkuk is 
doing something that we probably don't like to do. He's put God on trial. And I realize now, as the band comes up, the church of God is also on trial in 2020. Because people out there are wondering, well, what are we doing? Are we caring, helping, thinking, praying, encouraging? The church of God in 2020 around the globe is on trial too. Praise the Lord that it's his church. Habakkuk is no saint. It seems to me he's as scared as the next person. I have concerns about the future. All that Habakkuk held dear, his people, his nation, his community, the temple, the food, all gone. But he had to trust God and he knew that. Uh, I believe this short book will do more for our souls than any other book at the moment. He's a prophet with a burden and we have burdens, we must take them to God. As I conclude, I'm guessing that if, I, if we or I stood at the foot of the cross watching Jesus die and bleed, I would have said something like, this can't be right. God's response would be, this is absolutely right and time will tell and prove it to be true. May that be so in our season. Heavenly Father, guide us, strengthen us. May the burdens we have be brought to you. And Father, teach us in the midst of all that we see to be patient as we wait on you. In Jesus' name, amen.